Uh, checking out the chat. Slippery Pete is late, but he is here. Better late than never. Spags, we're going to make a backup quarterback a media star today. Well, that's if we haven't gotten beaten to the punch already, which is what I saw when I pulled up his Twitter timeline. But yes, Ben DiNucci going off on the TL yesterday on Twitter. So we're going to do the best we can to bring him to glory. We're also going to go into our ride or die picks for week five. We've been hitting a shocking amount of our 10 pointers. So if you are a fan of low probability plays and men grasping at straws, you are going to find that right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, Vintage Splash Play here with me, Chris Spaggs, and your pal, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing after another week of bringing joy to the fantasy football fans of SiriusXM every single day? Wow, thank you. Wow. For, did you did you write that? Uh, that no, was, it's all uh, top of my head. Pete, I am as sleep deprived as I've ever been. Luca is teething. He's got two teeth, even though he's not seven months old yet. Um, so he's ahead of the curve with his teeth popping out, and it has resulted in an absolute misery night after night. Something for you to look forward to in just a, a mere half year for yourself. I meant to ask you, did you read did you read any like uh parenting books in prep or are you just completely learning on the fly? So I did in fact buy one. Um <laughs> I think read 10 pages of it and then pretended like I read the whole thing. So if you want to count that, yes. Yeah. I, uh, you know, Lauren was like, here's a few that I saw recommended. And then I was like reading the reviews and they're like, this guy's doing all this pseudoscience bullshit. Uh, this guy's pushing his agenda. Then I was like, are any of these books even good? Um, so I, I don't know. I think I'm going to end up doing the same thing where I ordered the books and we'll probably end up reading 10 pages. There's one that Alex liked that's like this woman who like crunches the numbers or whatever to dispel a lot of the popular myths that I know was like good for her sanity where basically like, you know, says you can eat sushi sometimes, especially if it's high quality sushi because uh, the pregnant ladies are not allowed to eat sushi out of fear of poisoning her child with mercury, um, like stuff like that. I, I forget what the book is called. I'll, I'll look it up and, and give it to you, Pete. But um, yeah, in general, like I think a lot of it, you got to learn on the fly. We got Alex in the chat saying you need to Google all the time. Yeah, I would say that's probably about right. And then also Google things and then be like, oh, is this credible or not? Like sleep training is a big thing that people debate about. So a lot of fun ahead for you, Pete. And at the end of the day, it's all worth it for the complete mental exhaustion and occasional baby smiles. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm just, like, because the way my brain works is like, I, I am a completist about some things, but if it's so daunting and overwhelming, then I'm like, fuck it. Let's just learn on the fly. And I think that's where I'm at. Where like, there are versions of me where I like read every book and I try to get as hyper prepared as I can. And I think I missed the boat on that. And so now it's just like, fuck it. We're doing it live. Yeah, I think Alex is right in the chat as well. The Emily Oster book. I think she's the one that has like a cult following online because she just like pulls a lot of data, makes people feel better about themselves. But there you go. There's your parenting updates uh, for the show. Of course, guys, after the neon flashing lights, make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, comment. If you're watching after the fact, please do that right now as we try to juice the algorithm back to this channel. Pete, I've been doing NBA best ball content. Actually, you know, so yesterday I, we've always had a tough time, even when it was me and you doing the three shows a week with the Thursday shows, like getting viewers on there just because I feel like the time timing's weird and like it's a short window for the showdown i've never given out pete better advice for a show than the show where nobody watched yesterday where i said play Deion jackson i said you know play kickers play defenses turns out two kickers two defenses went a solo share of a million dollars yesterday did you see that yeah the, the solo ship i believe the guy works for nbc sports 
Um, I saw that. And yes. uh, I think he had also tossed it in a couple other contests as well. Someone in the Discord mentioned he had it in, I think, a qualifier that was like sub 2,000 entries. Like the lineup was so hyper leveraged for that you know, contest size. And yet you just absolutely love to see a hand builder. I mean, it sucks bags. Cause you know, the new meta is you are supposed to dupe in split first place with 300 people. That is the GTOA. And so to see this guy solo ship, I mean, it sets fantasy back, but it is really cool for him. Yeah, definitely a big win there. And certainly one as well that, you know, a low scoring game, which I thought was one of the things that you could point out, you know, for showdowns in particular, where it was a low probability event of them uh, going over 50 fantasy points or 50 uh, real life points. Yet everybody was playing all the offensive players, all the quarterbacks, all the stacks. And it's just uh, for showdown, there is still an edge, as people have said time and time again. And again, a show, a solo shipping of a million dollars is no joke, as as Pete and Brick have talked about on Lowell's recently. Uh, but let's go, Pete. Let's talk about the news, because I guess let's talk about that game first of because you actually i saw you up tweeting watching the whole game and it was almost one of those things where you couldn't look away because it was so low scoring and so gross and i wanted it to go on forever the overtime ended up costing me i basically would have broke even ended up losing 200 bucks on the slate because of it uh, naheem hines injury was not my favorite thing in the world but it was just one of those games pete where it was like how are these teams this bad how is russell wilson this bad the broncos fans have turned on him at like an alarmingly toxic rate it was just a lot of things that made for interesting theater even if the game itself was probably one of the worst football games so far this year yeah, I've like I've changed my routine where last year I legitimately would barely watch island games. You know, I would make my showdown lineups. I would watch maybe the first quarter or something, and then I'd be like, screw this. This is awful. I can't do the commercials. But now I'm staying up and kind of basically I have this tipping point where I have to decide for the newsletter the next day, is this game going to be big enough and important about to write? Like last week after the Tua injury, I was like, I got to write about that. Or three weeks ago after that Chiefs-Chargers game, I was like, I got to write about that. But then there's some days where nothing happens and I'm going to just write about something else. So I, I have been watching these games, deciding am I going to have to write, and actually having a lot of fun uh, just buckling down to Twitter, shit posting. And, uh, you know, it was an awful game, but I found it highly, highly enjoyable. Like, I'd rather live on the extremes, right? If you have a really fun offensive game or like a game like this that is catastrophically train wreck level bad, then something like slightly more in the middle. Like that Browns game a few weeks ago, we all wanted it to be really bad. And then it was just like kind of okay. And I almost prefer what we got last night. Yeah, definitely a defensive standoff is how they would have branded it. It was interesting to see Amazon too leaning into the fact that it was a gross game showing the fans leaving at the end of regulation. Because <laughs> normally football like broadcasts will do everything and go like, yeah, just two Titans of defense going head to head. And they even said that a couple of times where they were like, yeah, you know, the defenses are playing well. The offenses are certainly playing like crap, but it's, you know, a combination of both. But I think Prime's been doing a good job at the broadcast and getting the short end of the stick with that one uh, for sure. And he minds though, Pete goes out in that game with a concussion, which I feel like there's been an alarming rate, uh, rate of these injuries in the big uh, mainstream national TV games lately. He's stumbling on the field. I I'd honestly didn't see the play live and was like, oh, he might be coming back in because it took so long for him to rule him out that I saw the play and was like, oh, he's not coming back in after all this other stuff lately. But the Naheem Hines thing going down, Pete, that is one of those brutal plays where a guy getting his finally getting his shot in the limelight. It seems like Jonathan Taylor will be back next week with his ankle issues. But Naheem Hines concussed and Deion Jackson comes in, looks pretty good. Uh, we also saw Philip Lindsay and his revenge game looking pretty good. So it felt like a, a really weird backfield for the Colts and one that still ended up getting them the win somehow. Yeah, that one, like him getting up woozy after that hit and the offensive lineman struggling to even keep him on his feet while he essentially looks like a drunk co-ed at 4 a.m. wandering out of the bar. Like, <laughs> it was extremely uh, disheartening. And what's even more sobering to me is 
if the Tua stuff didn't happen last week, is Naheem Hines out there in the second half? Like, mm. that's a possibility uh, just with how loose the NFL had been with this up until this point. So, you know, you, you don't want to say like, it's, it's good that, you know, Tua is making an example of the league, but if anything, I'm glad that we are now taking this stuff seriously. Cause there's just no way in hell Naheem Hines should have been let back in that game. Yeah. Alec Pierce going off last night, which brought me a lot of joy and I'm ready to victory lap Alec Pierce. I think for a rookie, he's probably looked as good as anybody short of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave so far, but definitely a, a key play there ends up winning the, the showdown slate as captain. So uh, Alec Pierce, the one who's doing all the glory there. Uh, Pete, of course, you just wrote up the fantasy life newsletter. So any injuries you want to bring to the people here? I know Kamara is still suffering from his stuff. It looks like Michael Thomas might have turf toe. Jameis Winston seems unlikely to go with his back issues, but anything in particular you want to bring to the people before we jump to the rest of our antics. Well, uh, our favorite player, uh, Grandma, is still in the cage, and she might be in the cage for a lot longer because Kyle Pitts has now missed two straight practices. We'll have to see if he gets in a limited practice today. Uh, you know, part of me, it's just like, it just feels like this has to happen, like him sitting out. It's just like, of course, this is how the Kyle Pitts season goes for us. Like, I'd basically just rather have an excuse to put Tyler Conklin in my lineup and not have to deal with this, uh, knowing that I will obviously start Kyle Pitts if he's uh, if he's active. So that one's brutal. Also this morning, uh, you know, the Giants are in London and the Kadarius Tony stuff is just out of control. Uh, listen to this. Uh, so Jordan Ron on the, the beat reporter for the Giants says, Tony told me the other day, the previous hamstring problem was different from the one this summer. So that's three different hamstring injuries already this season. I mean, this guy, like, I didn't even know you had three hamstrings. Like, this guy is circling back to hamstrings he already injured and healed. I mean, this this is looking like a lost season for Kadarius Tony. Well, Kenny Galladay being out, too, like, I don't even recall him having an injury. It feels like he's out because he was like, I don't want to go to London if you guys aren't going to play <laughs> me. And I'm making so much money, you can't do anything about it. The Giants are one of those teams where it's just falling apart fast. I mean, certainly going to tear the culture down with a new coach and new front office regime for them. Uh, but it does look pretty bad. And I, yeah, I don't I don't know what to do with those Giants overall, Pete, because it feels like there should be opportunity there. But Richie James sucked last week. Shepard's out for the year. Maybe your boy Darius Slayton has a renaissance. Dude, it is so funny because I am I pulled up uh, on, on Run the Sims real quickly just to see what Justin had for the inputs for these Giants wide receivers. So you have 3K Darius Slayton, 17% market share, uh, 3,700 Wandell Robinson, 13.3%, Richie James at 4,300, 12.8%, and David Sills. 3,400 at 12.3%. This is an entire wide receiver course, sub 4,300. I mean, just absolute garbage. Yeah, but you're not playing that slate, right? Not a million years. Oh, no, I'm not. I, like, I was, uh, you know, Sunday mornings busy, you know, getting ready for everything, preparing for the main slate. You know, I have tweet deck open and, you know, trying to get news and capture last stuff for the newsletter. And I was like, I could swear no one was even talking about that Saints-Vikings game last week. Like, everyone was just like, fuck this. We'll, we'll prepare for the main slate. Um, I don't know. This game could have been more interesting if they were all healthy. You know, Packers-Giants, I believe I heard a stat that this is the first time one of the NFL games in London has featured two teams with a winning record, which just goes to show the product we send over there. But yeah, I have very little interest in this game. Yeah, Daniel Jones also recovering from an injury, but apparently going to go. Uh, so we'll see how that works out for the Giants and the, the fans of London getting treated to our best and brightest as always. So they actually did have a good game last week. So kudos to them. Uh, let's keep it going, Pete. Of course, we got to talk about Ben DiNucci, who last night goes off, uh, deletes a tweet for himself. And let's pull up his Twitter because uh, he did, of course, keep up one tweet here. 
If the people want some more Ben DiNucci, I can give them some more Ben DiNucci. Pete, I think we were one of the earliest shows out there to talk about Ben DiNucci. You did start, I think, at least one game for the Cowboys last year, maybe two. Um, Certainly a guy that profiled okay to me as a backup QB, but looked like a guy that is an Italian-American. We got to support our guys out there. Uh, I think Ben DiNucci, perhaps, Pete, as a practice squad guy who did not get his chance to start. Dak Prescott coming back in. Cooper Rush looking very capable as a backup. Feels like he's perhaps jonesing for a second career, Pete. And I know you you saw this. You immediately tagged me in the tweets. How do you feel about Pen, uh, Ben DiNucci going off on Twitter last night? I, I loved it. Yeah, it was so funny because I tagged you in a tweet, and I actually tagged you accidentally in the wrong one. Like, I meant to tag you in the one where he said, this is, like, one of the worst games of all time. Yeah. And then it was, like, his follow-up one. And I don't even know. It wasn't that controversial, and he ended up deleting it. Uh, so Ben DiNucci's getting the full media experience, you know, blowing up, deleting tweets. I also just love this one here. Is there anything more quintessentially cocky Italian than talking about yourself in the third person twice in the same sentence? <laughs> if the people want some more Ben DiNucci, I'm going to give them some more Ben DiNucci, okay? I mean, I, I love this guy. We need to get Ben DiNucci on the show, Spags. I think that has to be our goal here. So here's the issue, Pete, is now we are seeing, we are running into the other juggernauts oh of the podcast industry, of course, a show that I certainly have a, a soft spot in my heart for Big Cat and PFT, two of the people I enjoyed very much in my Barcelona days. PFT commenter, though, a former uh, Matt, uh, James Madison Duke is actually Alex, uh, my wife, also a former James Madison alum as well, so, but not quite as prominent as PFT commenter. So apparently, pardon my take, is put in their clamps on Ben DiNucci, and it feels unfair, and I get, you know, they share a common college, do PFT commenter and DiNucci, but it feels like Pete, I think like Ben DiNucci just shouldn't be on part of my take. Like he's not that tier. He's more of a splash play tier. I'm saying not, not saying that to be rude, but like, yo, know, he, he should be in our wheelhouse like a Patrick Laird was for you. Yeah, no, uh, those guys have, they broke the uh, Blake Bortles uh, retirement announcement that, that Blake Bortles, that's the, that's the part of my take backup quarterback. And Ben DiNucci is the backup quarterback of splash play. So fuck off PFT commenter. Ben DiNucci was ours first. <laughs> finders uh you know fee there and uh yeah i won't stand this we will get ben DiNucci on the show so I do have to say, we just we want to give Ben DiNucci some strategy here, and I think it's important to pull up, get a look at his profile overall, see what he's looking like, because I think now more than ever, as you've seen time and time again with the podcasts that are out there, the blue wire pods of the world, where you could be an athlete of any sort of notoriety or lack thereof and just stroll in and have a podcast, people trying to pay you and get some money going. He's probably as live as anybody to go out there and be a media personality if he gets that bump from a splash play or a part of my take, both equally. But Ben DiNucci here, I, I think you look at this profile, Pete, I'm seeing an Italian man and a borderline do rag here. I'm seeing not quite Jimmy Garoppolo good looks in terms of the Italian backup QB world, but still a handsome fellow. Um, if you were to give Ben DiNucci advice here about his media profile, what would it be? Yeah, well, look here. Uh, I just shared something in the hopper oh. there too to pull up here. He also has his own uh, line of clothing. It oh. looks like, or maybe he's an influencer for this company. True, I believe it's pronounced Brevand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be a boober. He's like, yes, Ben DiNucci is repping the company. True BRBND. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ben DiNucci, he's clearly like headed toward this influencer game mm. here. I love this. The Dallas cap upside down. He basically is saying he wants to flip the Dallas coaching and quarterback situation on its head, I think is the subliminal message here, meaning he wants to take over for Cooper Rush. Um, he, dude, this guy is just shilling merch hard. I mean, come on, Splash Play, Ben. We have our own merch line. We have our own merch store. We have done this. We have pushed 
thousands and thousands of bucket hats and splash play dad hats. We can tell you how to do this merch game. I, I really think we can help help Ben DiNucci out here. One thing I learned in my days of making merch at Barstool where we did, we put out a 21 Savage shirt based on Ezekiel Elliott, which uh, got C&D'd by the Dallas Cowboys at an alarmingly fast rate. After selling pretty well, um, you can tell that Ben DiNucci knows, like, yeah, I could put some Dallas marks on a hat, but I know not to infringe on the team's copyright, so he's not <laughs> that part of his brain uh, working correctly for himself. But I, the streetwear, Pete, I feel like this is right in your wheelhouse, too. Like, he probably would love your colorway hoodies you bring to the show. Like, it feels unfair that Ben DiNucci is, uh, I would say, outworking his cast in life by going to pardon my take instead of us can we just now as i've scrolled through his twitter appreciate what the bed danucci twitter presence is so back on january 23rd he tweeted can't remember the last time i've seen a weekend of games this good which means that over the course of almost an entire year his twitter feed is exclusively commenting on whether games are on the hyperbolic end of the best he's ever seen or the worst he's ever seen and shilling a backward upside down dallas Cowboys hat. I mean, that's his entire Twitter feed. We can help him. We can be media consultants, teach him how to shit post. He saw how much interaction he got on his shit posts. And now we need to take this to the next level. We need to show him, dude, drop the thread tweet in here to the merch. You follow up to the viral tweet mm. right here with it. I I'm going to tell him right now. Well, honestly, based on how this would go and based on his general aesthetic, he could also drop a link to his latest mixtape as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he has all the vibes of the guys from how to make it in America. Like, but <laughs> just 10 years too late behind that show. Um, Ben Danucci, not we I have more followers. We both have more followers than Ben Danucci, which feels kind of crazy. What you think Ben Danucci should have more <laughs> followers than us? <laughs> I think he should just base well, basically, he's trying a lot harder than I am. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, Pete. I, I feel like, honestly, like he wants to be a fashion influencer. What he just needs to do is like cut some videos of him talking into a camera, get a YouTube channel, do some live streams. Like Ultimately, that's really like where Ben Danucci is going to have success. I don't think he's moving. Like Nobody's looking at Ben Danucci going like, ah, oh, this fashionista Ben Danucci. I got to go. <laughs> Lean in on that Dak Prescott favorite I, right yeah, away. Yeah, he's like, hey, Dak, you mind coming over, dude? Just sitting on the couch real quick wearing this hat while we snap a few photos. I also love that this is like a quasi-partnership with Bud Light, too. Like they have all the Bud Light stocked and in the foreground. Was is this like is Bud Light a part of this? Or were they just like, I think it'd look cool to have a shit ton of Bud Light behind us? Look at that shirt. Stay true to the city, stay true to the culture, stay true to yourself. That's the true philosophy. Dude, he sold these out. I wonder if this is uh this is Buzz after going viral last night, selling out some of these hats. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, or honestly, you probably had like ten, like ten in stock, and then they sold, and they're like, "Oh boy, it's flying off the shelves." What the hell is this? I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> even like honestly, and I say this again as a proud Italian, even by those standards, this is incredibly tacky. This is so bad. We can help you, Ben Danucci. We can help you. Oh, I don't like this one from Casey saying Spagsy's an upside down Drew Locke hat. I don't think that's a fair one. Would people buy it? That would be the question. A lot of Drew Locke memes coming out yesterday, Pete, because of Russell Wilson, of course, being a fellow number three and quite frankly, looking worse than Drew Locke did at any point in his tenure. Yeah, um, it's not looking good. Russell Wilson uh, last night, too, man, uh, as as someone who has heavy redacted uh, KJ Hamler bags, I mean. Did you see KJ Hamler pounding his helmet on the ground mm. after the game? I mean, these guys are so frustrated with Russell Wilson. He he really looks unbelievably dusty right now.
I mean, I also think it's just that Hackett's not a good coach. And like, yeah, it's those things where like these coaches get tied to like a franchise that's doing well, like Hackett with the Packers. And people are like, oh, we're going to get the best of the Packers here. Or, you know, like same thing with McDaniel, where they actually did get probably some of the better parts of that Niners philosophy. Like the Rams certainly have had their tree as well. But I think sometimes you just get the dud. And I think the Broncos got the dud with Hackett, where like even yesterday, where like they were playing for going for it on fourth down or whatever and having Russ sling it. Brad McManus is one of the best kickers in the league. Like he's just short of Justin Tucker like these guys got to knock that field goal down end the game win it for you and you're going to feel fine about it and yet Hackett's like nah this is where we're going to go and do the aggressive play calling thing like I think it's unfair that Russ like Russ I saw the Tiger Woods mugshot and people joking about that <laughs> Russell Wilson like it's unfair to Russ and it sucks that he's getting his career tied to like two guys who looked like anchors recently with Pete Carroll and now also Nathaniel Hackett yeah, I, I do. I mean, we can we can rank our top five coaches that have to go, but Nathaniel Hackett is firmly in the top five there. Yeah. And Spags, look on this on this Geno. I am I am bummed, not in like a dunking on Spags way, but just thinking of the upside. Spags, if you were so close, like if Geno Smith was your Drew Lock, the victory laps and the brand boost you would have gotten, Spags would have been that you were so close to nailing a, like a, a Josh Reynolds level take but over the course of the entire season. It, it's a tough one. It, it does hurt. And like, it's even to the point where our pal, I was inverted, uh, tagged me in the underdog tweet where they were talking about the Drew Locke shares versus the Geno Smith shares. Same thing. I got tagged by one of the FTN guys, Sam, of course, he's in a lot of our drafts on here. Does a great job, Sam Chowdhury. But like, it's one of those things where like, I certainly was doing it halfway for the bit. And yeah, I spent $300 in Drew Locke and best ball mania just to get to that 8% threshold. And I still think you can play. Like, I think the, the Geno luster is going to wear off this week against the saints, but overall it's like, I, I don't want this to be my brain. This is the one thing I didn't necessarily want. It's just, we're doing, having fun here, drafted some teams. I drafted Drew Locke responsibly, three QB builds only Pete. And now I'm tied to this in a way where it's like, I don't want, like, I don't care about Gino. Gino doesn't cost me money every week, but I still get tagged. Like it's like, he's personally out of front. Like he's spitting on Lucas face every week. I mean, this is, I mean, what you need right now is like, you, you you're going to need, you know, Gino gets hurt. And then all the Geno Smith teams that advance, you advance through, but with the Drew Locke. And then Drew Locke ends up being the guy you need for one of these, you know, week 15, 16, 17. And then everyone gets to say, Geno Smith was just a system quarterback, Russell Wilson, system quarterback. And uh, it's really just Pete Carroll's genius that brings the best out of these quarterbacks. You have to say, though, in terms of like the week 17 games, and I don't know if Pete, this is too close for you to talk about, but uh, that Seattle game versus the Jets looking kind of live for week 17 based upon what we see oh, yeah. so far this season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that one looks looks very hot. We should act. That'd be a fun segment to do sometime of like re power ranking like the week 17 matchups. Like one of the hottest ones, obviously, was Broncos versus Chiefs. And it's like, I'm not too excited about that one as of right now. Whereas, yeah, uh, I could definitely see that uh, that Jets uh, Seahawks game going wild. Have you ad adapted your stance at all, by the way, on some of your not talking about the redacted at this point? Because it feels like if ever there were a year to talk about it as it goes on, where we do see all the running backs going down, Javante Williams with the ACL, then you see Melvin Gordon getting some snaps. You have uh, Jonathan Taylor not playing. Naheem Hines theoretically would have been a play that you would talk about. Have you been tempted at all to taste the forbidden fruit and start to discuss your, your portfolio at all? I mean, it's 
it's honestly like I was actually talking about this in the ship chasing discord because a couple guys were saying, you know, it's, you know, you see some people being like, oh, I'm advancing, you know, 35% of my teams. And then someone goes and looks at theirs and they're like, shit, I only have a 13% advance rate. And I legit said to them, like part of it, uh, the, the redacted and the FBI is a bit, but part of it is for like mental health purposes and realizing it would be the same thing. Like if you think about it proportionally, like looking at your best ball teams over a 17 week contest would be looking at your DFS scores on a main slate at like 1.30 in the afternoon and being mm. like in panicking. There is so much time to play out. So my 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 real non-bit take, if you get joy from hawking that stuff and looking at it, knock yourself out. I'm not going to be a thief of joy. However, if it has negative impacts on your health or you're starting to panic about your portfolio, like what the fuck are you doing? Stop looking at that because it really has no bearing. Like people are sweating the top 500 leaderboard, 499 people are going to have their heart ripped out and are going to be sweating week 15 just to make $30 on their entry. So it's like everyone relax a little bit with the sweating it early. I will give a shout out to our account, Willis, of course, who I did note this actually was scrolling through the underdog uh, leaderboard where they have for that. Willis is in the top 12 with one of his teams, which, you know, it's a long way to go. There was some guy who was in the chat this week on one of my streams asking about like his uh, redraft team that had like, it was an insane team. He'd have like Lamar, CMC, Fournette, like all these guys that chase, like he had all these guys that should have been drafted together. He's like, am I going to win? And it's like, your team looks really good right now. But if like all these guys get hurt, which we've seen happen time and time again, it can certainly run bad down the home stretch and you're not going to win so you can't project that but like to have a team in there like i get feeling good about it i like tracking i am a person who also tracks my games as i go while playing dfs so like that's always been the way i do things i think that's part of the fun of it but i would say as well like you can't get your hopes up at this point like i feel good about my portfolio like it's nice to have 25 percent potentially advancing on dk and underdog at the same token, like if Khalil Herbert gets hurt or whatever like i'm just done in a million different ways and and you can't foresee that right now the other thing too, like the, uh, I would say almost all of the content that I worked on this summer, like the evergreen best ball strategy stuff was all focused on things that supercharge your team at the end of the season, knowing that the prize pool is so top heavy. Like the whole thing was, Hey, we are trying to optimize for the fantasy playoffs. We're trying to optimize for week 17, everything from zero RB to targeting undervalued players who don't project well early on, like rookies, like injured players, like suspended players. And of course, week 17 matchups, all of that is heavily weighted toward those final weeks of the season and literally the last week of the season for week 17. So to look at your teams through five weeks and be like, oh no, I, I, I'm not advancing as many teams. It's like, no fucking shit. You were optimizing for the end game. You weren't optimizing to have the best team through five weeks. And so I think if you were drafting like I was, you definitely should not be pa uh, panicking about low advance rates. Like sure, if you had a shit ton of Trey Lance and Kyle Pitts and Gabe Davis and DJ Moore and like parlayed those all across all your teams. Like, yeah, you could probably say, uh, GG, better luck next year. But uh, I just think uh, the overreactions right now are, are unwarranted. I don't love you listing a bunch of guys. <laughs> I had a lot of Trey Lance, uh, Kyle Pitts, all guys not looking great right now. But for me, like the encouraging part is that I do have this many advancing right now based on the way that I drive, drafted based upon some of the run bad I had with Trey Lance in particular. Kyle Pitts, also certainly a guy. So I feel good about it. One question I have for you, though, and it's something I've been thinking about more. I watched Lulz this week and you guys talking about kind of the diminishing concept of EV and people that are so focused on EV stuff and I was also watching, actually, give a shout out to the Badge Bros guys. I think they did a really good stream with Justin Herzig last week. And I know our guy, again, Paul, I was inverted, won 20K and gave a lot of credit to them and the Spike Week guys about how to think about battle royales. 
One thing I was wondering is if, would you think about best ball through the prism of like, okay, let's say I have 25% Cleo Herbert, which I do. That main slate last week, I still played a bunch of Cleo Herbert because I thought he was a good play. Would you consider, or Naheem Hines last night too, where like I have enough Naheem Hines where if I win money on him, I'm probably going to win money on him in best ball. Would you consider just fading these guys entirely when they do shape up as chalk because you already have skid into the game somewhere for him? Um, no, because I don't feel like the payoffs are as direct, right? Like even if you, you know, are right, you know, that you still have, that's just such a small piece of the puzzle, even though Khalil Herbert looks awesome right now. Like we still don't even know if he's going to be a league winner. So you are hedging something that you don't even know if you're going to get paid off on, you know, whereas like to me, if you have more direct hedging opportunities like you have a big thing and then you can like go bet on a player under their prop yardage line you know heading into a final dfs lineup i don't know it just seems like there's still too many variables there for that to actually work out in a smart way yeah, no, that's a reasonable way to look at it. I, I think DFS-wise, certainly, you know, what I've been trying to learn with the showdown stuff, and I know you talked about with Jam to win, and I'm sure I, you have Dink on today, right? Talking, I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. similar things. But, you know, being willing to get uncomfortable, being willing to remove a player where it's like, oh, if this comes up in a, an optimizer where I'm running ETR's projections or Stochastic's projections, like you could probably take that guy out of your player pool and you're going to get different right away. Um, that's something I'm trying to get more comfortable with because frankly, the chalk has been so hard to, to figure out the good parts, the bad parts, all that. Uh, but it's definitely a part of the process that I, you know, I'm trying to consider more and, you know, worth checking out. I think I really do think the badge bros guys are giving a shout out again. I think with the battle Royale stuff, certainly doing a good job uh, talking about that more. And, you know, there's uh, an interesting little industry popping up Pete where I've not played as much battle Royales, but I'm tempted to do it because it does seem like there is a bit of strategic edge that if you play some DFS principles on there, you might find some success. Success. Yeah, I, w I was on their show this week, and I will echo your your plug. They're doing awesome work over there, and I um, I still and I said this to them like I still love the puzzle pieces of a main slate. There's just so many dynamics. It really is like such a complicated puzzle. But from a pure like entertainment perspective and an edge perspective, like those battle royales uh, really have it. And our guy, uh, Drico, has been writing a weekly article for Rotoviz looking at kind of optimal strategy for those battle royales right now. And uh, yeah, they're super fun. I've been doing about 10 to 15 of them a week, and I would like to even dive in a bit more. But yeah, like main slate DFS, I think to do right requires so much attention in time. But I can already see myself next year. Um, kind of flipping or at least balancing out the time I devote to those relative to DFS. Yeah, I know. I'm taking a train to New York tomorrow, and I'm going to plan on trying to do some battle royales while on the Amtrak in business class, like a like a fancy gentleman for myself. Uh, but that's I think it's worth trying it out, and certainly some interesting strategies out there. And I'll give the guys those guys again the Bad Bros channel. They're on the upswing, uh, starting their channel out. So go check them out at, and uh, give them give them some love over there. Uh, hit the like button as well, guys, if you can. We got forty something people watching live. Your helps us out a bunch. Whether you're watching live or after the fact, hit the like uh, on this video because we're trying to fight the YouTube algorithm as best we can and figure out the strategy here moving forward. Uh, so please hit that like button and check out the NBA best ball video I did earlier this week as well. If you want to get in there, potentially a lot of overlay on underdog in that tournament. So use the promo code splash, double your deposit up to 100 bucks on there. But Pete, it's time for ride or die picks. And I actually have to pull up the record to see how it's going. But as is always the case now, I do remember to slate you. Please give the people the rules for our esoteric game that was apparently won by me once again in week four. Wow, way to set me up to uh, to do the rules here. I'm going to be far less kind this week. Yes, with the ride or die picks, we go through every game 
and Spags and I each give a pick. It can range from fantasy points to a prop bet to a spread bet. The key is that all of these bets will be assigned either one point, which is, of course, more like a 50-50 proposition, a three-pointer, which means it has about a one-third chance of hitting most of the time, and then, of course, a 10-pointer, which we define as basically a Hail Mary pick, a sub-10% chance of happening. There is no in-between. Sometimes some of us will offer up a bet that should, in reality, be a seven or an eight, but that does not exist at which point Spags and I will negotiate to see if it's a three or a 10 pointer. This game is about negotiation. It's about mind games. It's about uh, psyopsing each other, gaslighting each other and trying to eke out the most value you can. So last week, Pete, the ones that we got correct here and I actually should have pulled it up. Let me pull it up over here so we could share the screen because obviously the ride or die picks people are tuning in to see how we're doing week after week. (laughs) <laughs> you 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 pull this up when you win, and then when I win, you're like, all right, let's uh, get into it. We don't have to bring this up on screen. Well, at this point, I need to make some things that are sticky for us, Pete, to make sure people come to the new channel. Um, You can see on the year, Pete, seven wins, 48 losses. And again, we're shooting for the moon every time, so this isn't your traditional bet tracking site out there. Don't tell the sharp rank narcs that are going to try to track our picks and go, oh, these guys are incredible. Uh, For me, 11 and 44 overall. And the one thing I will say, Pete, we've gotten at least one 10-pointer right every Every week, uh, I think I've actually gotten one right every single week. You've also gotten one right, I think three out of four. But like, we actually are hitting these at an alarmingly high rel- uh, alarmingly high rate relative to what they are. Um, which I don't know what that means, Pete. It hasn't made me any money necessarily, but it feels good. Well, last year, yeah, no, I mean, relative to these in previous years, we were we were airballing a lot. So, so get tell me the ones we get the ten pointers that got hit last week. So last week, the ones that got hit for you, the one that you hit was this 10-pointer. Cardinals win by nine-plus points that game against Carolina. Uh, Some of your other predictions you can see on the screen here. Rashad Penny outscores Jamal Williams. That one got upset by both guys being monsters. That one was so close. If that one Jamal Williams ripoff TD, goodness. Galvin Kamara, I think, uh, didn't play in that game, so that's not on you. <laughs> game, game total over 57.5 and the Atlanta-Seattle game. For me, though, Pete, the ones that I got right, once again, the curse continues. I injured Traylon Burks. <laughs> Alec Pierce 2X and Traylon Burks' points. I have now injured a player every week with my ride or die picks, and it's starting to get – it's it's spooky season, Pete. Perhaps I have a special power that I have not tapped into. Yeah, I just want to point out how the margins are so thin in this game, guys. I mean, Willis notes in the chat, Penny was like 4.6 more. It was so close. And then Traylon Burks gets injured. I mean, that's a 20-point swing right now. And we are looking at this race in a totally different light. So you're going to see a lot of mainstream media. You're going to see a lot of national columnists and pundits try to spin this as Spags running away with the contest. But if you actually dig in to the underlying metrics, the real data, the things that are happening, they know I'm still the favorite. Also, apparently you injured Devontae Williams <laughs> by protecting him to be in the Billy Maker winning lineup. Uh, poor one out for poor Devontae. And the other one that I got, yeah, the other one I got right, Justin Jefferson showdown captain um, in, in London, of course. How could Justin Jefferson let down the people of London? I haven't seen it happen even once, Pete. But let's get into our ride or die picks for this week. So again, now you know we have credibility. Let's start off with, oh God, London again, the Giants, 16.3 implied points. The Green Bay Packers coming in as an eight and a half point favorite, 24.8 implied points. Pete, you want to pick a showdown captain for the London game? A showdown captain for the London game. I mean, there's no way it is one of these wide receivers for the Giants. Absolutely no way. I assume I assume Barkley is going to be the chalk pick. Uh, and the question is, do I want to eat that chalk? Yes, I will eat that chalk. I'll say Barkley winning captain. I need to get on the board here. 
All right. I will go. I feel like a Green Bay running back seems about right to me. Uh, though, honestly, maybe it's an Aaron Rodgers day. You know what? You took a chalk play. I will say Aaron Rodgers, the chalk captain, spreads the ball around and ends up there in your showdown for London. So there you go. Two very chalky picks for that first game. Chargers, 24.5 implied points. Cleveland, 23 implied points. Uh, looks like a chalky Austin Eckler in this one. But honestly, only 12% expected ownership from Stochastics, so not as high as it could be. Um, I'll go first, though. I will say Austin Eckler once again gets over 30 fantasy points. Is that a 10-pointer? Um, over 30 DraftKings points is yes. I'm seeing his projection around 20. So I would say over 30 is a, is a classic, uh, 10 pointer there. Uh, I think that's a sharp one. Um, I think that's a sharp one. Let's see. I will. What, what's the over under on this game? Do you have it at? Um, it is 47 and a half. 47 and a half. I'll say this game, uh, goes over, uh, 57 and a half points. So you're, you're getting bit by the Cleveland again, potentially after thinking they were going to go nuts last week and Cleveland does seem to play a little slow. does play a little close to the vest. That's why you're giving me a 10 pointer on it because it's so <laughs> ballsy. Enough. All right. Yeah. It could be honestly kind of a potentially a sneaky shootout game, but I guess we thought that about Atlanta last week and then Marcus Mariota threw under 20 passes in that end of that one pretty fast. Speaking of Atlanta, 18.3 implied points, Tampa Bay, 28.3 implied points. Uh, Pete, I'll let you go first here. And it's worth pointing out lots of chalk on the Tampa Bay side, that Tom Brady stack. I know you talk a lot about this on your Friday show, Pete, probably shouldn't play a buck stack in uh, the spy this week or any of the Millie maker. Uh, but how are you feeling about this game? Yeah, I mean, all of these guys, Brady, Evans, Fournette, and Godwin, all projecting for over 10 percentage points. And then I will say, like, if, if our guy Pitts misses, uh, Drake London is going to be mega chalk is the bring back coming mm -hmm. back in, in those stacks. Um, man, I want to do, should I say, well, do I get 10 points if, if Pitts is active and Grandma gets out of the cage? Is that a 10-pointer? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, we need a confirmation that grandma's let out of the cage, which I don't know. I don't know this grandma. Like we, we obviously represented her in that one letter to Arthur Smith, but I don't know how to reach her and find out that she actually is back and survived and not, and not dead currently. <laughs> so, and then I will, and then can I, I'll have a contingency. If Kyle Pitts misses this game, can I get 10 points? If Caleb Huntley scores a touchdown? You can, um, but th that's going to run in contrast to my ride or die pick. Pete, oh, I, of course. You're going Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier, 100 yards and a touchdown. That's got to be a 10-pointer, does it not? 100 yards and a touchdown. So let's say he catches a couple balls. So that would be a 20-point DraftKings game. Oh, 23 with the uh, – sure, I'll give you that. I see his projection around 10. So, yeah. Um, so you want 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. Nothing with fantasy points, PPR. I mean, I, I would prefer it be 100 cumulative yards because I think he will get mm -hmm. some targets, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you're not allowing that one, it seems. <laughs> no, if you want to go the cumulative, then we got to go uh, DraftKings points. All right, so what was the threshold again for Algier? Uh, so he's at, I see a 10.5 projection, so I'd give you over uh, 20.5 DraftKings points. Okay, I'll accept that. Seems Stochastic's got him at 9.8. And I will be on the Stochastic YouTube channel coming up uh, at 12.30 today doing On the Contrary with Neil Orfield. And I, I think it's Savoka over there, but go check that out if you want to get some more uh, content. Me, Pete, uh, they didn't even know. Evan Silva used to be on that show back in year one and uh, hung over every, <laughs> every Oh, time trust me. I remember. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Silva used to be on lots of DFS shows, but, uh, you know, he keeps dropping like flies. And that's why he's going to win the tout bracket. He knows how to limit his exposure. <laughs>
Next game up, we got Pittsburgh, 16.3 implied points. Buffalo, 30.3 implied points. The biggest favorite since the merger. Uh, I think the Bills have an 80% probability uh, to win outright, according to our data at Probably App. Uh, so remember, go sign up for that waitlist, probablyapp.com. We're hiring a UX firm to do some shit that I'm going to have to pay 10 grand out of pocket for. So please go over to Probably yeah, to, to get going. Just the get quintessential in. Spags plug. I knew you were going to do it when we were doing the Ben DiNucci. You had to say your thoughts on part of my take. You couldn't just say, like, you can't, you just can't do a plug or a reference without going down some insane rabbit hole, can you? Well, that's how we differentiate what's an ad and what's not. Like, where if I give the Football Outsiders plug, it's like, doing a lot of great work, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Check out Derek Klassen's column. No snark there, because we're trying to convert. For probably, it's like, you got to be self-effacing. This is You're my not company. trying to convert for probably bags well not yet no well, we're, we're, we have 50 <laughs> a month subs pete and we're giving away aggressive cpa fees to partner that's what we got to convert for now it's just like just go join the wait list and at some point you're gonna get a product you had me at aggressive cpa fees for partners um <laughs> all right let's uh the bill so yeah an overall 87.2 percent chance for the bills to win outright in this one pete do you want to take a steelers win uh what's no 14 points that that's more than a 10 pointer you would uh I think the 10 pointer would be Steelers plus 10. Well, no, not if we're taking, because we've said a 10% likelihood is the threshold and it is apparently a 13% likelihood that the Steelers win. All right. Yeah. I'm not taking that. Um, let's see. I will do, I will do uh can I get 10 points on Khalil Shakur outscoring Najee Harris? Hmm. Najee Harris does stink. Not a great game script for him, um, but I'll give it to you. I feel like people don't believe in Khalil Shakir, and I want them to do that, Pete, because we love Khalil Shakir on this show, so I'll, I'll give you that one. All right. Um, how about this one? George Pickens goes for over 125 receiving yards. Is that a 10-pointer? I don't think so. This is like a got mean... an fantasy point projection from Stochastic. Actually, 7.9 from Stochastic. So, and you said, uh, you said how many points? Um, I said over 125 receiving yards. Um, 120, yeah, because if if he gets it done, it's going to be on a couple of deep balls. I don't think he's going to have a big PPR day. Um, just do, uh, what did you say Stochastic has in so I guess 17 for? fantasy points then would be double it, or I guess 16 would be double it. See, ETR has it at nine. I'll say over 19 DraftKings points is a 10-pointer. Okay. Um, over 18. Over 18 and a half. Okay, fine. Over 18 and a half for George Pickens. I think it's an interesting George Pickens spot today. Interesting tournament play. Deagle, by the way, is saying, talking about your big dick energy again, steamrolling me. Uh, and then the porn bots come in. So maybe Deagle. You say BDE <laughs> and the porn bots come out. Um, but I think he must have missed the part where I'm winning outright so far. So I think that's the thing that Deagle misses that maybe it's all part of my metagame to let Pete feel confident and ultimately be wrong. We already debunked why there's so much noise in those overall standings and how the underlying <laughs> metrics point to me winning this handily. Uh, I think it's an interesting game though. Pickett, like, is there any shot like for real though that Pickett wins this one? Like, or he like throws him into the game because he's really been airing it out and like the Steelers' offense is not going to be the same with him as it was with Trubisky. It's, I mean, the the Buffalo defense has been the yeah. stone best defense against opposing quarterbacks. So it's about as brutal of a spot as you can tee up for a rookie quarterback making his first full career start. That said, like, I, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Like, I'm not expecting a great performance, but I'm just hoping, like, if he can just not have more than, say, one back-breaking turnover 
and just survive, just tread water in this matchup, I'll feel really, really good. Yeah, it is a really big DVOA jump for him uh, going against a Buffalo defense. Minus 38% DVOA on the year, which would be tops in the league for Buffalo. Next game up, though, we got Chicago, who does not like to pass at all. 18.3 implied points. Minnesota, 25.8 implied points on their end. Pete, I will let you go first again in a game that feels like it should be ugly, but maybe Justin Fields throws the ball a handful of times. What is your what is your read on? Do you think Montgomery is going to play or not? I don't think like his injury seemed like he was bad. And then I know he was in a lot of the projections the end of last week. I don't think he plays, but like, it feels like he doesn't want to lose his job maybe. So he's forcing like trying to get back in there. So I think it's a coin toss. Yeah. How about, so I'll make this easy then I'll say Justin Jefferson outscores both Justin Fields in the starting running back for the Chicago bears. Okay, I think that's, yeah, that's got to be a 10-pointer, even though it feels like it probably shouldn't be because Justin Jefferson's actually good. <laughs> They're all not so good. I, I'm giving up, like, I'm seeing if you combine Fields and Herbert, I'm seeing 32 points in Justin Jefferson at a 20.5 projection. So it's pretty close to a classic 10-pointer. Okay, all right, I'll allow it. Um, what if Chicago doesn't score a single touchdown in this game? What if they keep that energy from Thursday Night Football? Is that a 10-pointer? What is their implied team total? 18.3. 18.3. Um, yeah, I think that's a 10 pointer. All right. I, I think Chicago, Chicago is really a, a frustrating team to watch. If you've bought into any sort of part of their offense at some point, Miami 24.3 implied points, Teddy Bridgewater making the start to a ruled out early in the week, even though they are saying it's mostly just a concussion or a back issue, whatever it is. Apparently two would probably going to be back in next week based on what they're saying. The jets though, 21.3 implied points. Pete, what do you want in this battle of AFC East Titans? I want to say, Two players from this game, or I'll actually I'll make it even more specific. I'll say one at least one jet and at least one dolphin end up in the winning Millie Maker lineup. I like that call actually. I, I'll go further and say um Teddy Bridgewater ends up the Millie Maker winning lineup. Okay. Yeah, that's uh that's bold, but I like it. I'm definitely on team. I don't think Teddy is like a massive downgrade uh from Tua, and I don't think they're gonna use him that differently either so yeah i like that yeah the jets giving up a gigantic dvoa boost according to football outsiders 26 percent passing dvoa boost to opposing offenses so that he's going to be good this is the week to show it and worth pointing out too a lot of ownership going to tyreek a lot of ownership going to waddle no ownership going to teddy bridgewater which is usually an inefficiency in the markets uh seattle 20.3 implied points heading into nolens 25.8 implied points um i guess i'll go first in this one pete and i will say geno smith scores under five fantasy points I love it. Nothing like a little bit of an emotional pick from Spags. <laughs> yes, I'll give you 10 pointers on that. Um, let me go the other way. I like I love some direct leverage. If I'm gonna climb back in these standings, what do you what do you have him projected for? Uh 15.6 according to stochastic. All right. Will you give me uh I'll I'll then take over 25 DraftKings points for a 10 pointer. Oh God, I, it sucks because honestly, it looks like the new Orleans defense, uh, giving up a little bit of a passing game boost, 3% uh, increase in passing DVOA. And we all file away. The saints as this team. That's a lockdown team. And if Gino does it again, I, I can't, I can't take it for another week. Pete. <laughs> that's why I mean, this is, I found an emotional hole in your ride or die game and I <laughs> am exploiting it. The amount of times I get tagged in tweets, get tagged on disc. Like it's you too love much the now. engagement. Like, especially you I love... don't care. It's making me care because I don't care. No, you 
you are really wrestling with it because you wanted to middle this thing like the Drew Locke thing was a good take, but I also love the attention in the bit. And right now it's a little too much of uh, you getting dunked on for your take. And so you're, you're trying to middle it still. I, I am indeed. Detroit, 21.3 <laughs> implied points. New England, 24.3 implied points. Jamal Williams, not as chalky this week. About 10% expected ownership for him. Uh, we'll see if that holds up with the field. Um, I guess I'll go first again in this one. I will say Jamal Williams again makes the Millie Maker winning lineup. I think he's going to get a lot of red zone work, and people think he's just kind of a fill-in back, and maybe he is, but New England's not good, and he gets the touches, and that's all that matters. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going the other way uh, in this game. My take has been this is a brutal spot for the Lions. I expect uh, Amon Ross St. Brown to rest alongside DeAndre Swift. I think their first non-dome game out here in the gross New England weather. The line, is it is it still New England minus three? Uh, yes, New England minus three. I'll say, I'll say uh, Pats win by 13, so I'll add 10 points to that spread. Wow. It's interesting because, like, you know, we do have Dan Campbell who goes for it a lot, plays pretty aggressive. Belichick, the exact opposite. This game could be higher scoring than it seems because both teams give up. Uh, the New England defense gives up 5.5 points for red zone visit. The Lions give up a league high 6.3 points for red zone visit. So there could be some easy touchdowns to go around here. And maybe another week where a uh, Detroit game stack ends up being worthwhile. I took uh, the other angle on that, too. I took the I bet the under at 46 and a half. I think it's down to 45 and a half. I think this is going to be a, a gross, frustrating game. Interesting. All right, we'll find out. I'm, I'm curious because I think that definitely could go either way. Houston, 18.3 implied points. Jacksonville, a seven-point favorite, 25.3 implied points. What do you want in this one? Yeah, I'm kind of – I'm really been surprised about James Robinson's ownership and people like – the old days was like, holy cow, Austin Eckler just gashed this Texans run defense, which is clearly one of the worst run defenses in the league. I'm going to fire up James Robinson. I don't know if people are – I love Travis Etienne. I actually like blow, both of these guys in this game. But seeing James Robinson only at five and a half DK projected ownership, I, I think he's a smash. I'll say James Robinson, highest scoring player in this game, including the quarterbacks for 10 points. I actually like that one a lot here. High missed tackle rate for Houston, 13% uh, missed tackles for them and does open up an opportunity for a guy who gets a lot of touches like Robinson does. And that's why he was on my thumbnail for the stream I did yesterday. So I support your take, Pete. Um, I will say though, Rex Burkhead outscores Damian Pierce. The industry is starting to go Damian Pierce's way over 15% projected ownership. I think Pierce is a bust. Is that a 10 pointer if Burkhead does outscore him? I think that's a classic 10 pointer. I'm seeing the projection is basically uh, half of Damian yep. Pierce. So yeah, I will do that. Uh, Tennessee, 22.3 implied points. Washington, 20.8 implied points. Uh, Pete, I will say Derrick Henry gets over uh, 30 fantasy points, I guess, because stochastic projections, 19.3. And this feels like a Derrick Henry smash spot to me. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. I see it at 19.8 over 30. Sounds good. What's the, uh, what's the total in this game? The over under 43, 43. I'll say this one under 33 four for 10 points okay certainly possible carson wentz uh not not doing the best so far to start the year san francisco 22.8 implied points carolina 16.3 implied points at home um pete what do you want in this one because this is a really disgusting total just want to say i got a, i just noticed i got a little equity boost on my khalil shakur pick because uh dawson knox just ruled out uh oh, wow. for tomorrow's game so some some targets to go around there um all right, we're doing Carolina, San Francisco. Yep. Um, let's see here. This could be a fun one. Um, I, I I need it. I need it so bad. This is an emotional one. Uh, George Kittle, um, highest scoring uh, player in this game. 
Okay. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's gotta be a 10 pointer. I would think, um, Hmm. What if, uh, what if Ian Thomas were to outscore every Carolina player? Is that a 10 pointer? If who Ian Thomas, the tight end were to score outscore all of his fellow Panthers. Okay. Including Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. Yes. That's for sure. A 10 pointer. Okay. Oh, also Mike with some bad news in the chat. Visco also got ruled out, which is sad. He's the best. He's been the best Panther. And it's hard to argue. Well, no. And I mean, I sure would I like to see him out there, but you don't rush your best players back out on the field. They need to get right. Like if they want to have a chance to make the Super Bowl, you have to have Visca's hamstring get right. Philadelphia, 26.8 implied points. Arizona, 21.8 implied points. A five point dog in this one. Uh, I will go first, I guess, and say that. I think, man, I already put Teddy Bridgewater in the Millie Maker, so I can't put Kyler there. Feels like this is a game with some Millie Maker players. I will say two players from this game make the Millie Maker winning lineup, but I don't wish to identify them. Yeah, to me, I think this is a trap. I think this is a trap game from hmm. shooting out. I think the Cardinals are frauds. What's the over-under on this one? It is uh, 48.5. All right, I'm going to do my my same bullshit. I will say under 37 and a half. Wow, so you, it seems like you're really teeing up an ugly slate for this one, Pete. I am. I mean, there's not there's not a single game with an over under uh, over 50. You have a bunch of teams with like big implied team totals, but it's because of the spreads. Um, I yeah. And I just I really think the Cardinals are frauds. Um, And I know this is like the first time I think we're collectively going to get excited. Right. Because the Eagles really haven't been pushed much. And we really want to see one of those games in the second half where the Eagles have to pass. I'm not down on the Eagles. I'm just so down on the Cardinals and think that the Eagles might be able to have their way on the ground again. Okay. No, it's, I think certainly a fair point that we've seen with the Cardinals finding ways to disappoint every week. Dallas, 18.8 implied points. The Rams, 24.3 implied points. Is Dak not playing? Has that officially come through? I I don't know if it's officially come through, but I think it's, it's very, very unlikely that he plays. Okay, so I will take then, if Cooper Rush goes, I will take the Cowboys to win this one outright by, uh, by I guess, by three. Uh, so that would be enough, hopefully, to get a 10-pointer. What's the line? It is currently, uh, f- oh, no, I guess it's five and a half. Mm, yeah, so go a little higher, buddy. <laughs> uh, Cowboys by four and a half, then, out- winning outright? Uh, yes. Cow- okay. So Cowboys minus four and a half. Yeah, that works. Yeah, which I actually, I like that one for you. I think the Rams are such frauds, too. Um, Stafford looked awful this week in a way that was alarming, I would say. Yeah, God, this game, this game is going to suck. Although I believe Thorman had this as a pace-up game. Uh, Yeah, Cowboys play fast, 27.7 neutral pace. um, Yeah, let's see here. I want, should I do something? You know what? If if this game paces up... um, Let's say let's say Ceedee Lamb finds his way into the winning Millie Maker lineup. Okay, definitely going to be a little chalky, eleven percent owned, so that's going to be tough, but an interesting one. Um, and Willis confirming Dak's still out, so there we go. Apparently, he can't grip a ball, uh, so that's not <laughs> it's normally not how you want to go. And Cooper Rush has been winning games, so I guess keep him out there. Um, last game on the slate, Sunday Night Football, Cincinnati, twenty-two point five implied points. Baltimore, twenty-five point five implied points. Pete, do you want to pick a showdown winning captain here for I'm sure a very large tournament on Sunday Night Football? Yeah, I mean, uh, this game I think is going to be hot, and there's so many good captain plays, and I do think 
specifically on the Bengals, I think both Jamar Chase and Mixon look like really sick by lows, um, just kind of relative to perception and their production. I'm waffling right now between Chase and Mixon. I'll emotionally hedge a little bit. Um, I have plenty of Chase exposure. I'll say Joe Mixon, uh, top captain here. How about if Cincinnati gets five guys in the winning lineup as opposed to one for Baltimore? Would that be a 10-pointer? So you're saying it's a it's a 5-1? Yeah, Bengals build. 5-1 Bengals build, and in the captain is a Bengal? Yes. So I'm not going to give that to you because I'm looking at the optimal lineups on Run the Sims, and literally the top 14 lineups are all 5-1 Bengals onslaughts. So... Okay. Nice try, buddy. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. I will say the Bengals score. They have a 22.5 point over under. I will say the Bengals score five touchdowns in this game. What happened to just picking the winning captain for this? You're going, <laughs> no, why I are you going so off the board? I don't have the same level of confidence that I do. The Bengals are going to score a lot of points. Say, and so I'll say it again. And I'll say it again. Um, the Bengals score five touchdowns in this game. And what's their implied team total? 22.5. Yes. I'll give you that. Okay, thank you. I, I accept it. Adam also asking a question to close it out here. Should I trade Allen Robinson and Raheem Mostert for Kamara full PPR? I think, yes, you would take that trade. Allen Robinson is the dustiest of dust. Yeah, I mean, Robinson, you can maybe keep him on your bench for one more week, but he's on, like, cut status. And I do like what we've seen from Mostert. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mostert for Kamara straight up. Do it. Yeah, Kamara's going to be better at some point, even if I'm not a running back believer. Of course, you should follow this show at Splash Play Pod. Make sure you subscribe before you go. Hit the like button before you go, please. I'll be back on Monday doing the solo streams, hitting the, the same schedule next week, some more NBA best ball, all that stuff. But Pete, of course, has a lot coming up as well, so make sure you follow him at Pete Overzet or at Peter Overzet, excuse me. And of course, Pete, SiriusXM coming up in eight minutes for you. Yep, that's right. Uh, you uh, check serious. You can get a full day of GPP content. Go check out Spags on On the Contrary, one of my favorite uh, GPP shows. And then uh, JM is traveling uh, this week. I think he had a wedding or something. Uh, and so I'm getting uh, Drew Dinkmeyer from Establish the Run on for my GPP show at 2 p.m. today. Jam to win. Got to go pick up some mustache wax to keep that thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. All right. Come back on Monday, guys. Hang out with us then. And, of course, check out all the content we're both doing over the next few hours. Uh, again, follow at Splash Play Pod. And we will see you guys very soon. Good luck. Bye. <laughs>